This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. I have a Christmas present for you this year. It is a fabulous presentation by Dr. Michael Clapper talking about the underlying cause of rheumatoid arthritis. He refers to scientific studies throughout this talk to show us what we should eat so that we can reduce our symptoms and heal intestinal permeability. You will learn the negative impacts of a high-fat diet and understand the immense benefits of eating more plants. This presentation was just one of 17 amazing talks as part of the 2021 Rheumatoid Solutions Summit. If you attended the summit live for free, then you may have seen this presentation already. Or if you're a member of Rheumatoid Solutions or Rheumatoid Support, then you'll have access to it, as well as the other 16 incredible sessions inside your members' area. So make sure you go and watch them. If you're not yet a member, don't wait any longer. I invite you to join us. Make 2022 a year of massive improvements for your health. It starts with science-based knowledge and then the implementation of that knowledge. We will help you with both. Remember, life is better when you're healing. And now, over to this amazing interview with Dr. Michael Clapper. You're going to love it. And from my family of Melissa, Angelina, Ariel, Aidan, and myself, have a very Merry Christmas. We are going to today learn about the nutritional treatment of inflammatory arthritis, and we've got a very special guest with us to talk about this topic. It is Dr. Michael Clapper, who is a gifted clinician, internationally recognized teacher, and sought-after speaker on diet and health. In addition to his clinical practice and private consultations with patients, he is a passionate and devoted educator of physicians and other healthcare professionals about the importance of nutrition in clinical practice and integrative medicine. In fact, he is the founder of Moving Medicine Forward, an initiative to help medical schools add more nutritional education to their curriculum in an aim to create a new generation of nutritionally aware doctors. He spent almost nine years at True North Healthcare Center in California, where he oversaw the progress of many patients with chronic disease, including those with inflammatory arthritis. He's won virtually every accolade within the plant-based world, and he's one of the most popular doctors you will ever meet. So welcome, Dr. Clapper. Well, thank you very much, Clint. It is always a delight to be with you and your very aware audience. It's a it's such a great service that you're offering uh, to make this connection, which I'm going to be talking about, about the way that uh, what we're eating on a daily basis affects the entire body, including autoimmune diseases that we will talk about. And to that end, uh, let me share my screen here and uh, bring up my presentation on the nutritional treatment of. Uh, autoimmune diseases, I will 
play the slideshow in the window here. Come on, you can do that and put that up there. And then we will hide. Yeah, it's the, looking good. Looking good. Hiding the MIDI controls. Great. Okay. <clears throat> uh, this is such an important topic, and yet it's one that's virtually never mentioned uh, to medical students, which is one reason we're starting our Moving Medicine Forward initiative to make the connection that even these diseases where most medical students have two words applied to this, etiology unknown. We don't know the cause of autoimmune diseases. We don't know the cause of rheumatoid arthritis. We don't know the cause of lupus. And on some level, that's true. We've not teased out every last little molecular mechanism, every last little interaction between the genes and the enzymes they call forth. And uh, yes, we've got a lot more to learn about it. But to say that, well, therefore, there's nothing more to say, etiology unknown, and to totally overlook the role of the patient's diet in the bringing about of these life-crippling diseases well, I, I think for a profession that prides itself on being a seeker of truth and to home in on the underlying cause of these diseases, uh, to me, it, it's, it's more than an oversight that we don't talk about the patient's diet in these diseases. It's, it's an embarrassment to me uh, for my profession. And, and I'm looking at opportunities like this to help remedy uh, this imbalance. So thank you very much for the opportunity to uh, uh, explore this topic in a bit of depth. So we're talking about autoimmune diseases, these strange uh, conditions, sorry for the misspelling there, uh, that uh, when you open the textbook, uh, you see here, it's when the body attacks itself. And when, as soon as I learned about the medicine, I said, that doesn't make sense. Why would the body even do that? Uh, and we're going to be talking about what might bring that about, because yes, antibodies are made against the body's own tissue, and it manifests in these you know, dreadful diseases, rheumatoid arthritis and systemic lupus, uh, ankylosing spondylitis, but there's many conditions commonly treated in primary medical care uh, that have an autoimmune component, the dry itchy skin of eczema, the wheezy lungs of asthma, the uh, the, the uh, dreadfully perplexing the condition of atopic dermatitis. All of these are autoimmune diseases. What's going on? Well, we are at Clem Patterson's uh, platform here, and I would be remiss if I did not start with rheumatoid arthritis. And we, of course, think about the painful joints. Certainly, Clint experienced that, and RA patients everywhere experienced that. But as they will all tell you, a rheumatoid arthritis does not stop at the joints. In most all patients, at least one other organ system is involved. And in many cases, many organ systems are involved. Certainly, you can get rheumatoid nodules in the skin. Uh, you can get a fibrosis and inflammation of the lungs. You get, you get rheumatoid lung. You can get rheumatoid heart. The blood vessels are de definitely inflamed on the inner lining from all the antibodies. You can get an uh, inflammation of the sclera uh, and the cornea of the eye. Uh, you can see all these other conditions that are associated and, and you know, have a real causative link uh, from rheumatoid arthritis. So it's a total body disease, as is systemic lupus erythematosus. And uh, it's often focused upon the kidneys, as people often wind up. Uh, getting dialysis. But when you actually 
to take out your magnifying glass, so to speak, uh, your diagnostic testing and look at all the different organ systems, you see they too are involved where uh, in rheumatoid arthritis, antibodies are made against uh, largely joint uh, proteins, cartilage, synovial membranes, uh, collagen. Uh, in here, um, it's, it's definitely the connective tissue uh, is, is the target organ in, in lupus. And as you can see, lupus affects all the organ systems in the body, certainly the kidneys, uh, but the lungs, the joints, the skin, the heart, um, certainly anemia show up in the blood. So these are total body diseases. These antibodies uh, affect tissues all over the body. Yet, when you ask the rheumatologist and the research rheumatologist, what is the cause of this? Why does the body do this? Why do these joints blow up? Uh, they'll give you all sorts of molecular mechanisms. But by and large, when you ask them, do you think what the patient's been eating has any effect on the initiation of these dreadful inflammatory reactions? Nah, you're, you're with the stain usually. Uh, that prospect is dismissed. There's never been any study showing that diet makes any difference. What the patient eats has no effect on these diseases. Diet doesn't matter. This is uh, what the patient hears and what I hear from my colleagues. And it's sad because we now know that indeed there are many studies showing the connection between diet and autoimmune diseases. But why aren't there hundreds and hundreds of studies? Why aren't there so many in the literature that it just blows away any resistance? No, so much uh, that uh, the way streptococcus bacteria causes rheumatic fever, because as many studies show the cause and the cure for that disease. Why aren't we seeing it with these autoimmune diseases in diet? Well, here's the reason why, with all these conditions, diet is uh, not foremost in the medical literature. Uh, to see differences in real people eating real food, it's different than testing a drug. You're, with a drug study, it's easy to uh, take a thousand people, uh, give them all a pill. Half of them have the active drug. Half of them have a pill uh, capsule that has a placebo, just white powder in it, uh, lactose powder, say. Uh, and the patient doesn't know the difference uh, between the two. Um, the, the doctor doing the study, um, they, he doesn't know which drug the, the actual one or the placebo the patient's gotten. And, uh, and the study is done and, and some objective uh, marker is looked for at the end of a certain period of time, uh, whether it's a blood test or some clinical effect. This is how drug studies are done. And people say, well, we should be able to do that with food. But the reality is we're talking about human beings and their diet, and you can't do that kind of study with human beings. Why? First of all, to see the effect of diet upon these diseases. Uh, this You can't do this for the 90 days on Medicine X to see if it's, if it's active and if it helps, or six weeks or two months like most of these drug studies are done. The study would have to be done for years uh, and really actually decades as uh, the person matures to their various life stages. And second, if you're insisting, I want a double-blind placebo-controlled study, well, you can't blind these studies. People know what they're eating. They know if they're eating pork or they're not. They, they know if they're eating uh, bread or they're not. Uh, so you can't really blind the studies. 
as I mentioned, you've got people who have to continue um, the very same diet. You've got to minimize the variables. So the same helping of broccoli and rice and beans every night for 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. Well, humans don't do that. We were constantly changing uh, the, the foods we put on our plate. And who's going to fund this study? It would be a very expensive study to, to do, to constantly monitoring the patients and analyzing their dietary intake and all. Who's going to fund that? Big broccoli? Yeah, there's no money in telling people to eat more kale. Uh, and so, you know, that's a big problem in, in getting these studies done. And, and doctors like Dr. David Katz and others uh, at the True Health Initiative are saying, listen, with nutrition, you've got to look at different types of evidence because uh, these double-blind placebo-controlled studies just don't work when it comes to nutrition. So if those of you who are listening here who really are very interested in this particular topic, uh, do a search on um, Dr. David Katz, K-A-T-Z, and hierarchies of evidence and read about that at the True Health Initiative. You'll understand uh, ways that, that evidence is accrued for nutritional studies. However, is looking at all these limitations on why there aren't conclusive nutritional studies showing the link between diet and autoimmune disease, even given that handicap. The truth is, studies have been done and clinical guidance can be gleaned from case studies. This is a classic study uh, done uh, by Dr. Jens Kelsenkrog up at the University of Oslo in Norway. I uh, took 27 patients with really hot, active rheumatoid arthritis, got them out of their houses, did, did not let them do this at home with the refrigerator nearby, took them to a health farms, quote unquote, uh, out of the Oslo city limits. So he had complete control over their diet. Uh, he uh, put them on a seven to 10 day, basically a water and vegetable broth fast just to cool off the inflammation. We'll be talking about fasting a little bit later. And then they were put individually on a gluten-free, vegan, all plant, whole food, plant-based diet for three and a half solid months. Hmm. What was the response? Well, after four weeks, after the first month at the health farm, the diet group showed significant improvement in the number of tender joints and Richie's articular index excuse me, an index of how inflamed the joints are, the number of swollen joints, the pain score, the duration of the morning stiffness, grip strength got better. Their blood tests for inflammation, the erythrocyte the, uh, erythro sedimentation rate, the, the sed rate, the C-reactive protein, the white count, all of these got better. Here it is uh, schematically. I don't want to, to snow you over with all these lines here, but this is, this is the first two weeks. Uh, and you can see here, here's their C-reactive protein, dropped like a rock and then stayed down. Now here's their sedimentation rate, dropped, Oops, sorry. Um, dropped, uh, uh, dropped very well, rose a bit, but, but certainly stayed down. Um, here's the morning stiffness drop within a, a couple of days. Doesn't take very long. Uh, and here's their uh, now their grip strength got better. It didn't hurt so much to squeeze the, the the device to measure the grip strength. The number of tender joints dropped. So you can see the improvements they uh, uh, they were able to achieve. Um, in the control group, only the pain score, the pain score improved significantly. 
And very importantly, hear this, the benefits in the diet group were still present after a year, those folks. But, but at the end of the study, you know, they said, okay, you can go back and eat your regular diet. Most of them said, are you crazy? We're going to keep doing what we've been eating. And so they stayed on it for a year. And after a year, um, they still have these wonderful improvements. So if you've got RA, uh, you know that you're not in a big hurry to go back uh, to the bad old days. So what does all this mean? Where do we start looking to explain this? Well, the place we need to start is in the lining of our intestinal tract, in our digestive system, the system with which we absorb the nutrients from our food into our bloodstream. So this is the wall of the small intestine schematically. Now here's food going by up here. Here's the villi that lets us absorb nutrients into the wall of the intestine and eventually into the bloodstream. And very importantly, here's all the intestinal lining cells. Uh, they fit together very tightly. And in fact, the, uh, the junction mechanism that holds them together is called the tight junction. I'll show you a photomicrograph of it in a minute. Uh, so here's, again, here's the intestinal villi that absorbs the nutrients. Here's the, the lining cells that process it. And deep to the lining cells is a layer of immune cells, our lymphocytes, T lymphocytes, B lymphocytes, and, uh, and many others. And um, it is so important that I was surprised to read this number, 80, 80% of all the immune cells in the body are wrapped around our small intestinal tract, interrogating all the food proteins and, and bacterial debris coming through to protect us, to make sure that the only molecules that make it all the way through uh, from the intestinal lumen up here into our bloodstream are molecules that should be in our bloodstream, the amino acids, sugars, uh, essential fats, foods, that molecules that we need to, as nutrients to run our body. Everything else, these immune systems put up the, uh, the no entry sign. And uh, there's various mechanisms they have to keep uh, molecular debris and troublemaking molecules out of the bloodstream. That's the way it's supposed to work. And again, here's those tight junctions. Here's what they look like. This is for real. Uh, this is an electron micrograph of the tight junctions. And you see nature is such a brilliant engineer. Uh, and she makes these very, very tight junctions very tight. Uh, and, uh, and it keeps molecules going by in the food from worming their way down in between the cells so we can get into our bloodstream in, in a paracellular mechanism there. Um, so the tight junctions, when they're tight, prevent that from happening. But we do things to injure the gut wall, and I'm going to be running that, uh, that list of, uh, of bad actors that injure the gut wall, and they injure the tight junctions. And so instead of a nice snug barrier here, uh, the tight junctions loosen up and, and molecular spaces open up and molecules that have no business getting into our bloodstream start getting into our bloodstream. And here you see the bacteria, actually the bacteria themselves, but also the proteins and the sugars off the broken up cell walls and other cellular debris gets in our bloodstream. And they start flowing through our tissues, including our joints in rheumatoid arthritis. So the so-called leaky gut, um, increased intestinal permeability is the official medical term, 
seems to be a very common phenomenon uh, when it comes to autoimmune diseases. Why is it important? Well, when you measure leaky gut, it seems to be that the folks with leaky gut are the ones at higher risk for autoimmune disease. Uh, in pathologic conditions, the permeability of the epithelial lining may be compromised, allowing the passage of toxins, antigens, and bacteria in the lumen, where the passage where the food is, to enter the bloodstream, creating a leaky gut. So let's get real. Let's talk about what most Australians and Americans and Canadians and Brits and Kiwis and anyone eating the Western diet. Now, I realize if you are aware enough and evolved enough to be listening to this video, if, if you are part of Finn Patterson's uh, wonderful uh, self-improvement group here devoted to autoimmune disease. You, you don't eat this stuff anymore, and I'm aware of that. But very few folks were raised uh, on whole food vegan diets. I sure wasn't. And if you've got one of these autoimmune diseases, the odds are you weren't raised eating, uh, eating the food you are now. You're, you probably grew up eating this kind of food. So let's talk about what happens when one eats fried chicken and burgers and uh, and French fries, etc. It unleashes what I call the red tide that that washes through the intestinal tract, and uh, this can open the doorway to many things from uh, from um, atherosclerotic plaque formation leading to heart attacks and stroke to, to colon cancer, etc. But there's a lot of things again, you know, in our natural state. None of these were really uh, in our intestinal tract for any reason. I guess uh, if we were scavenging a carcass uh, that we found laying in the African sun, there might have been some heme iron and oxidized cholesterol, but all the rest of the stuff. This is from the hand and mind of man. Um, everything from the chlor uh, chlorine in drinking water, the advanced glycation end products from the sugars, the carcinogenic hydrocarbons, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of contaminated molecules here. But when it comes to the gut wall, there's a number of them that specifically increase the permeability of the gut wall. Uh, when you eat a candy bar and it's soft or ice cream has got that nice uh, creamy texture on your tongue, what's creating that? These are natural foods. Well, they've added emulsifying agents and detergents like carboxymethylcellulose, polysorbate 80. Uh, these are emulsifying agents. They keep the ice cream soft, but they also dissolve intestinal mucus uh, and they loosen up the tight junctions here. So the, the emulsifiers, the saturated fat itself, the vegetable oils, all of these loosen up the tight junctions. Alcohol does this. Um, Non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, ibuprofen and naproxen. Uh, the salt uh, on the uh, uh, on the French fries and in the cheeses, uh, they it, they it causes their own type of mischief here. And we'll talk about endotoxin that comes from meats of all types. Uh, so there's many things flowing along the intestinal membrane that directly injure the gut wall and directly increase the permeability to allow uh, a whole bunch of antigens, both from food and bacterial cell walls, fungal cell walls, et cetera, that should not get into the bloodstream uh, to make that journey uh, across the intestinal membrane into our bloodstream and flow through our joints to set off the 
clinical disasters we see as rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, et cetera. Then there's fat specifically. You know, when I hear the keto folks, oh, high fat diet, eat fat, eat fat, stay away from those carbs, don't eat those carbs. Well, we want to be eating lots of fat, lots of fat. Well, not only is that a great recipe to cause atherosclerotic plaque formation in your arteries and set you up for heart attacks and strokes and cancers, but it, all this fat is, is just devastating if you want to keep a nice tut, tight junction in your gut wall. Um, dietary fats, as I mentioned, they, they directly dissolve the intestinal mucus. They change the intestinal mucus. They foster bacteria, and the bacteria that thrive on the fat put out enzymes that damage the gut wall. Um, the, these gut, uh, the fats, especially the omega-6, uh, set off inflammation and inflamed intestinal lining is permeable intestinal lining. Uh, the fats inhibit the cells talking to each other, throwing molecules back and forth that, that keeps them tight and healthy. Um, the high-fat diet promotes, well, we'll, we'll talk about, um, this is endotoxin, it's a lipopolysaccharide. We'll talk about this, but high-fat diets have, uh, make you absorb more endotoxin and, and potentiate its effect. And when you eat fat, your liver responds by putting out bile, um, and bile itself makes the gut wall more permeable. And so when you hear a high-fat diet, high-fat diet, uh, not only is that a recipe, as I said, for heart attacks, strokes, and cancers, but it's, it's a, uh, you couldn't think of a, a better food mixture uh, to create a leaky gut and increase intestinal permeability than a high-fat diet. And the fat itself can be pro-inflammatory. Don't worry about all the chemistry here. Um, but all meat has a fat in it, or omega-6 fat, called arachidonic acid. It's, it's basically found in chickens, eggs, beef, and pork. Plants make very little arachidonic acid. Well, arachidonic turns into prostaglandin too, uh, and it's highly inflammatory and increases gut leakiness. Um, so the omega-6 fat in meat, and so every time you bite into a burger or a chicken breast, you're eating arachidonic acid. That's going to make your gut more leaky. And then there's endotoxin. What are we talking about? I'm sorry to make you look at this picture, but it's a reality. So let's talk about it. All meat passes through the slaughterhouse, even organic grass-fed beef. Uh, they all go through the slaughterhouse, get their throats cut. And, and the carcass is hung up. And as the digestive system is removed, as the carcass is eviscerated, it's inevitable that the gut contents spill all over. And you can culture off the cutting surface, like you see here, if you take a culture tube and you swipe it along the, uh, the cutting surfaces, you'll culture out uh, salmonella, shigella, E. coli, clostridia, pseudomonas, uh, enterococcus, uh, the whole menagerie of these powerful, nasty gut bacteria. And so every steak and chop and chicken breast, which is cut on these tables, leaves the slaughterhouse with a coating of these gut bacteria. Now, they're wrapped up in clear plastic, sent to the supermarket, and they sit in the meat case where the ultraviolet light shines down on them and kills the bacteria. That's what the ultraviolet light's for. Well, when these bacteria die, here is their cell wall. This is what makes plants plants is a cell wall. Well, the cell wall breaks up. 
And, and the fragment of this cell wall is a lipopolysaccharide. Don't worry about the, uh, uh, the chemistry, though the initials are LPS, you'll see that. But, this, but that is what endotoxin is. It's the broken up cell walls of these bacteria. Endotoxin is nasty stuff. You, if you just take a cruise around here, it releases histamine. It depresses, it depresses the heart muscle. It, um, uh, it sets off inflammatory interleukins. It sets off free radicals. It, uh, it makes your blood clot. It's, it increases pain. Uh, and it damages the tight junctions of the intestines. Uh, so this is every time you eat meat, you're eating endotoxin. Why? Because it's heat stable. Cooking the burger does not get rid of the endotoxin. So every time the bacon for breakfast and the cheeseburger for lunch and the chicken for dinner, these people are giving themselves a shot of endotoxin three times a day. Uh, and as a result, uh, the gut wall pays the price. Uh, it induces inflammation, uh, and you can see a single dose of endotoxin will increase intestinal permeability. High-fat meals let you absorb more endotoxin, uh, and, um, and that's not a good thing, and, uh, and it uh, sets off all sorts of inflammation. Um, High-fat diet leads to acute postprandial, means after eating, exposure to circulating endotoxin. If you've got type 2 diabetes, and you're eating a high-fat diet, you're absorbing lots of endotoxin. Uh, and cream, glucose, et cetera, uh, will and certainly, a uh, cream will increase endotoxin. Glucose and orange juice should not. So endotoxin is another gateway into a leaky gut, which is a gateway uh, to rheumatoid arthritis. And I'll, I'll show you why, but you've made the gut leaky. We'll talk about what leaks through in a minute that causes the problem. But here's another dimension of how diet affects or sets us up for rheumatoid arthritis. And they have to do with the microbes that live in our gut. The food you eat determines the microbes in our gut, and modern life is an assault on the healthy gut bacteria in our small and large intestine. We drink water that has chlorine in it, which is good. You don't want to be having waterborne bacteria like cholera and salmonella, so it's okay to chlorinate the drinking supply. But meanwhile, we're drinking the chlorinated water, and while we're trying to cultivate healthy gut bacteria, the the, the uh, it uh, probably doesn't do great things uh, for uh, the health of our uh, of our microbiome. Uh, people who like cola drinks are drinking a solution of phosphoric acid. That's what gives these cola drinks a bite on your tongue there. Well, the phosphoric acid kills microbes down in the gut. Coffee and tea, I'm not saying never drink these, but those um, the, the peppermint plant is not making that peppermint oil for your afternoon tea. It's a bactericidal oil that the, the peppermint plant makes to keep bacteria from invading. Plants get infections. And so they make these oils uh, to keep the bacteria out. Well, here we are <laughs> drinking them in, in our afternoon tea and coffee. Similarly, those coffee oils that make coffee, coffee, our bactericidal. Now we spray our foods, all sorts of herbicides, like Roundup, et cetera. They make the gut leaky. We drink that glass of wine with dinner or alcohol in general. Well, in the hospital, uh, we dip our surgical instruments into alcohol. Why? To kill bacteria. That's, uh, and here we are drinking this stuff. 
Uh, then there's the detergents we wash our dishes with, and I'm not saying don't use them, but you never get every last little molecule of, um, of detergent, uh, no matter how many times you rinse it. And we wind up drinking that, and it's a detergent. It makes gut more permeable. And then there's the antibiotics uh, that people uh, get from their doctors if they got a runny nose or cold, but very importantly. If you are eating chicken, if you are eating meat of all types, they feed those animals antibiotics. And those antibiotics are, many of them are still active when they get down into your gut. And, and that unbalances the microbes. So uh, you can see that, uh, uh, that modern life, as I mentioned, is not friendly to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome. And then there's the food itself. When we eat, or you eat, or people, if you're already vegan, you don't eat this anymore. Uh, but again, uh, the food we eat determines the microbes that live in our gut. And if you're eating a meat-heavy diet, lots of eggs, etc., you're eating a high-fat diet, that stimulates bioflow. Uh, and the bacteria that that summons up, the bad bacteria, these are some good ones, uh, it oxidizes the bile and turns it into secondary bile acids that not only cause promote cancer, but makes the gut more leaky. When you change the whole food plant-based diet, it changes the microbes. You summon up a whole different kingdom of, of microbes, the Prevotella, uh, and they protect the gut wall. They suppress inflammation, they inhibit cancer growth, and they help the gut become less leaky. Uh, though, again, the microbes you summon up with your diet can be some pretty unfriendly ones. A uh, high meat diet will summon up a lot of pseudomonas, and they, uh, the toxins these bacteria put out uh, disrupt the epithelial barrier function. High sugar diets increase clostridia that, uh, that makes gut more leaky. High uh, omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids from, some, from safflower oil decreases the good guys and makes the bad guys grow, uh, grow more. And um, I appreciate uh, Clint telling me about this study. Uh, but here we see the bacteria not only make the gut wall leaky, but then they flow through that leaky gut wall into the bloodstream and either intact bacteria or just they, they break up in their cell walls, their DNA floats through the bloodstream. And the synovial membranes in the joint, it's like a very fine filter. And as these uh, molecules flow through the, the synovial membrane in the joints, they stick there and set off inflammation. And here you see a very powerful statement. Synovial fluid, the joint fluid in patients with rheumatoid arthritis shows the presence of bacterial DNA in your synovial. What's the bacterial DNA doing in your joint membrane? And their products rising from naturally occurring commensal organisms in the gut and other mucosal surfaces. So organisms that should be down in your gut and no place else are winding up in the joint membrane. Hmm. It's another link in the chain of evidence uh, that our diet is one of the major precipitating factors in rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, and here we see schematically, again, thanks uh, to Clint for uh, advising me about this study, but here you see a diet with meats and dairy and oils and sugars fostering pseudomonas and these other microbes that I just showed you. Uh, they build up on the gut wall uh, and that allows, uh, uh, that promotes the production of antibodies that just then flow into the bloodstream uh, and cause molecular chaos as they flow through the joints.
and also what will be fostered by these broken up microbes and the other toxins. The body responds by putting out uh, a protein called zonulin, and zonulin makes the gut more leaky intentionally. There are times when we want to let larger molecules uh, into the bloodstream. Uh, this is uh, largely in, um, in infancy. The baby's intestinal tract uh, uh, is very porous, if you will. Why? Because the baby's got no antibodies and they, he's and, or she's just been born into a world of microbes. Where can the baby get some, some uh, antibodies against them? Well, mom has them in her breast milk. And so the baby's nursing at the breast, sucking in these preformed antibodies against bacteria. They go down into the baby's gut, but they got to get down to the bloodstream. So zonulin and other molecules loosen up the tight junctions in the baby's intestinal tract and allow these larger antibodies to flow right into the baby's bloodstream. Brilliant. That's great. But um, so, so there is a time the body increases gut permeability. But... Uh, these uh, uh, bacteria that are mischief makers, the Pseudomonas and the Endrococcus, and I already showed you, they cause zonulin release, and that makes the gut leakier, not what you want. Uh, uh, <clears throat> disease onset goes, uh, goes with this gut rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, and again, um, the, the uh, more the intestinal barrier uh, malfunctions uh, and the more the serum zonulin increases, uh, the higher the risk of developing rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, and here we see it uh, uh, as the gut gets leaky, including when Crohn's disease and colitis, uh, you wind up producing all these antibodies to the gut bacteria. So there's more evidence that bacteria are making it from the gut in through the intestinal immune system, setting off antibody response that then uh, goes out into the bloodstream and causes new uh, mischief. Uh, Protein-rich diets, it's not just the fats. It's, uh, uh, when you eat a high-protein diet, and that's what these paleo folks are setting themselves up for, who eat all this meat, meat, meat. Well, protein-rich diets increase the activity of bacterial enzymes, uh, which produce toxin metallics to trigger inflammation. That makes the gut more leaky. And so the paleo folks, along with the keto folks, are setting themselves up uh, for, for inflammatory joint disease. Now, once you've made the gut leakier through the endotoxin, the alcohol, and the bacteria, and the detergents, and the emulsifier, all that stuff, then if you are still eating uh, meat, uh, as most of our uh, patients, friends, colleagues, family members still are, when you're biting into that burger, or you're biting into that piece of steak, mmm, oh, tastes good, wow. But what are you really, really eating? And by the way, after you stop eating, it doesn't taste good anymore. But uh, but this is, but uh, past that, um, what are you really eating? You're oh, it's a steak. Yeah, but it's really the muscle of a cow now uh, or a steer, and therefore you're chewing up and swallowing. And what's getting into your bloodstream because through the leaky gut? Uh, proteins and fragments from muscle and tendon and fascia and, and artery and nerves and veins and lymphatics and red blood cells, white blood cells, ligament, uh, and they're chewing on that chicken uh, drumstick here in cartilage. 
Well, in these diseases, you're creating antibodies against collagen, against connective tissue, rheumatoid arthritis. You're making antibodies against cartilage. Hmm, why would our body be making antibodies against tendon and ligament and cartilage? Because maybe because you're eating somebody else's tendon and cartilage and muscle and, and blood vessel, etc. Like that's really what's in that ground up uh, uh, burger, the flesh, which it's really the old ground up old dairy cows, really, is what most of the burgers really are. Um, but the point is that the links are starting to, you know, the bricks are starting to fall into place as we're building our wall or the links, links of the chain. Now, when you take someone with lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, you got all these antibodies against the, against connective tissue and, and joint and, and tendon. Hmm, how could it? Well, duh, maybe it's because we've been eating somebody else's uh, uh, tissues here. Uh, and uh, other conditions can also uh, be incited by this uh, hay fever, asthma, uh, hives, etc. Then there's new 5GC. What's that? This is a sialic acid that only animals make. Um, only cows, pigs, etc. Humans don't even make it anymore. We stopped making it in our genes. Um, but but it's highly inflammatory. And, uh, and so every time people eat that burger or uh, eat the cheese or the ice cream, uh, this new 5GC gets into their tissues and that sets off inflammation. And then there's salt. And um, you know, a pinch of salt on your veggies is not terrible, but there's so much salt and processed food at the, at the Italian restaurant and the spaghetti sauce and the Asian restaurant and the soy sauce. You can't make cheese without adding lots of salt to it. The, the, the lunch meats, the chips, it's a high salt diet. And it really inhibits our immune system from working well, as well as um, increasing the odds of rheumatoid arthritis or lupus uh, by turning on um, T17 helper cells. Um, so turning out that uh, nutrition is playing a major role uh, in lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and, and by the way, obesity makes everything worse. And uh, even though we're focusing on these quote painful diseases, rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, et cetera, with the lupus arthritis, et cetera, now those folks struggling with asthma or, um, or eczema uh, have a similar thing. They've got leaky guts as well. There's increased intestinal permeability changes. Uh, kids with cow's milk allergy, you have uh, cow's milk protein getting out into the immune system and setting off antibodies, et cetera. Bronchial asthma, uh, these folks have a leaky gut as well. And the folks with the chronic hives uh, and angioedema where their lips swell, um, uh, again, the, they all have increased, not all, but many, many of them have increased um, uh, uh, gut permeability. You know, the, if you've got antibodies against cow milk protein, you have to see, clearly it's evidence of a leaky gut, right? I mean, why would you be making antibodies against the milk of a cow if that wasn't leaking into your bloodstream? Another reason not to uh, drink the milk of a cow. Uh, again, patients with eczema, food allergies, yes, right. How do you know if you got a leaky gut? Well, you can test for it. There is a test, the order from uh, labs like Genova here in the States. And uh, and you, they, you send a little kit, uh, you drink a, a solution with two sugars, lactulose and mannitol, and collect your urine for 24 hours. 
and send it a little bit to the lab. Uh, mannitol shows up in the urine. Lactulose is, it should not, it's non-absorbable. So if you got a bunch of lactulose in your urine, by definition, you got a leaky gut. Uh, here is a, uh, here's one of the results. Uh, uh, here's someone, they recovered 20% of the mannitol, which is normal, uh, but 0.15% um, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, the lactulose showed up. That's too much by definition. Uh, this person's got a got a leaky gut here. Um, so yeah, no, three percent of the mannitol showed up. So uh, so by definition, they've got a leaky gut. I used to order a lot of these tests. I don't anymore. If I've got a patient sitting in front of me with rheumatoid arthritis with red hot swollen urine, they're the lab test. I know they've got a leaky gut. I, I don't have to order this test until I, the, the, their joints are the lab test. And same thing with the lupus patients, et cetera. But just to let you know, you, you can document it. Uh, and again, intestinal permeability test. But treat the patient, not the lab test. So uh, they're making the case that yes, you know, this is not etiology unknown when we're talking about these diseases. It's largely, so I'm trying to tell the medical students and as part of our Moving Medicine Forward initiative, it's what your patients are eating. Before you order another $1,000 scan, another $500 set of blood tests, ask your patients what they ate for, uh, for dinner last night. Ask them to take them through a day of their standard eating. And if it's full of burgers and buffalo wings and pepperoni pizzas, that's why they're sitting in front of you, doctor, with red hot swollen joints and, and failing kidneys, et cetera, et cetera. So what can be done? Well, it turns out that you get folks on whole food plant-based diet and things start getting better. Here we are. Now here's, uh, they're talking about Kelsen Krog's classic study that I showed you earlier. Here we are back in 1992. I remember that year, but uh, uh, 1992, 25 years ago, um, uh, described a patient, uh, went on a vegetarian diet. Uh, here's her antibodies, um, anti-nuclear antibodies. Uh, from 1985 to the following six years. And you see the antibody titer goes down, down, down. Uh, the amount of protein she's spilling in her urine goes down, down, down. Uh, the protein she's holding onto in her blood's going up, 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 or albumin, et cetera. Her sed rate uh, is going down uh, just by going on a whole food plant-based diet. Uh, here's Dr. Brooke Goldner describing a classic study of uh, uh, six weeks on a raw plant-based diet rapidly reverses lupus, nephritis. Uh, there's someone in, in renal failure uh, who went on a, uh, and this was a largely a raw food diet with her famous green smoothies, uh, but it sure seemed to turn this uh, lupus nephritis. This person was headed for the dialysis unit and, uh, and uh, saved themselves a, a date with the dialysis machine. So why does it happen? Why do plant-based diets help autoimmune disease? First of all, for what they don't have. Okay? The very act of pulling the meat out of the diet, of pulling out the cartilage and the ligaments and the muscles and the tendons, et cetera, um, that alone, you know, when you stop hitting yourself in the head with a hammer, the headaches go away, you know? And a similar thing, you stop bombarding your tissues with now with uh, all the uh, tissues, the cartilage and muscle and nerve and arteries of, of other animals and see if you don't stop making antibodies against uh, your own 
cartilage and uh, blood vessels and, and muscles, etc. So uh, just pulling out the meat is, is square one, makes a big difference. But also you are now flooding the tissues day after day with all these salads and soups and steamed vegetables. You're flooding them with these antioxidant micro uh, antioxidant molecules that give the chemical message calm down, everything's okay, they absorb free radicals, they, they, uh, they help them bring molecular peace to the tissues. But also, as I mentioned, the food you eat determines the microbes that live in your gut. You've changed the food stream, you certainly change the microbes in the small intestine as well as the large intestine, and that's um, that's going to put out, uh, summon up a whole bunch of good Prevotella bacteria and others uh, that uh, heal the gut wall and decrease that intestinal permeability to reverse the leaky gut. Uh, and here we see, study clearly shows that a vegan or vegetarian diet substantially alters the human colonic fecal microbe. You bet it, how can it not? And uh, maintaining a strict vegan diet uh, results in a significant shift in the microbes while the total cell numbers remain unaltered. Uh, uh, fecal microbial virus, uh, microbial flora and disease activity, rheumatoid arthritis during a vegan diet, it gets better. The microbes get better, the patients get better, as Kelsey Krog's patients uh, demonstrated to us. Uh, here, an uncooked vegan diet, that raw plant-based diet, shifts the profile of human fecal microflora, you bet it does, that it fosters more butyrate-producing colon bacteria. This, this is uh, a very beneficial molecule to heal the gut wall and decrease the, uh, the uh, leakiness of it. Uh, and uh, plants have these wonderful molecules called lignans, and lignans heal the gut wall as well. Uh, there's just so many ways. You know, we are, we are plant-eating hominids. You know, we've basically got the same digestive system that our gorilla and bonobo cousins have. And they're up in the trees tonight eating leaves and fruit. It's basically the kind of diet uh, we ought to be eating. We are not carnivorous apes, no matter what the paleo folks tell us. We are plant-eating folks. We've got fingers on our hands, not claws. We've got We've got long intestines for digesting fiber. We've got enzymes in our saliva for digesting starch, not protein. Isn't that a message about uh, our true nature? And uh, and uh, we've got small mouths with, with, with flat grinding molar teeth and rotary jaw joints for chewing up starchy roots and tubers and fruits. So we're clearly plant-eating hominids. And, and when we start eating the diet of the mountain lion, uh, we summon up all these microbes that do evil things to our gut and we wind up with these diseases. We go back to a plant-based diet and the, the body heals. It's such a validation from our anatomy and our physiology. Uh, and there's specific things and specific foods that can even help here. Who knew that apples have an oligoglycan that suppresses the endotoxin-induced damage? By, by, by endotoxin. We'll, we'll look at that. An uh, apple a day not only keeps the doctor away, keeps the rheumatologist away. Isn't that uh, fitting somehow? And here's uh, turmeric, that now famous herb, that wonderful golden yellow spice uh, has a molecule in it called curcumin uh, that really is a very powerful 
uh, anti-inflammatory. It helps decrease gut permeability. It stabilizes uh, the gut wall. Yay. Uh, here's uh, oral supplementation of turmeric. Decreases the amount of protein leaking out in the urine, the blood in the urine. Blood pressure comes down in patients with lupus nephritis and with kidney inflammation. So there, the fact that these plant foods heal us you know, that's a big fashion, like humans eat plants, you'll be okay. You know, that's, that's the message here. So where do, where does this lead you? What, what's the take home here? Um, here is uh, the general outline here, plant-based therapies and autoimmune diseases, whether you've got lupus or RA or the hives or asthma. Okay, first of all, pull out the inflammatory molecules. You know, if you've got a stone in your shoe and it's giving you a blister every time you step on it, you can take all the ibuprofen and anti-inflammatories you want, but it's not going to cure you. It's not going to heal your foot. You, at some point, you got to stop, take off your shoe, get the stone out of your shoe, and, and stop the ongoing insult. And it's the same thing with these dietary uh, stimuli, the adverse uh, molecules here. Pull them out. You know, stop eating meat and dairy. And in, in doing so, you'll pull out the new 5GC, you'll pull out most of the arachidonic acid, you'll pull out uh, the tendon and muscle and cartilage and all the food-based antigens. Uh, you'll certainly change the, the inflammatory microbe uh, antigens that are uh, leaking into your tissues. And in exchange, as you go to a whole, whole food plant-based diet, these are high potassium foods and potassium uh, makes you put out a little more cortisol that uh, uh, suppresses inflammation. There's going to be more anti-inflammatory long-chain fatty acids, DPHA and EPA, uh, created in your body that will help suppress inflammation. And again, the curcumin, the apple um, uh, 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 components that uh, suppress inflammation. Uh, uh, a plant-based diet, uh, you know, it's the difference between one and zero, you know, uh, uh, go from a meat-based diet to a plant-based diet. It changes everything. So here's my autoimmune protocol uh, to share with you if you've got RA or lupus, etc. cetera. Um, uh, consider a two to five day water fast. I'll talk about that, but a couple of days on water or vegetable broth. Um, it, it has a very powerful anti-inflammatory effect. You don't have to, it's optional, but boy, a couple of days on water really is very powerful in getting you out of that acute uh, inflammatory state. Uh, but just uh, consuming cucumber celery juice, especially if you're on medications, you can't fast on water if you're on medications, but you can do a cucumber celery uh, cleanse, so that would, be, that would work. Um, if you want to do a longer fast, you should uh, go to a fasting center for supervision. But very important, you get yourself on a whole food, plant-based diet, lots of raw foods, lots of salads, and be munching those carrot sticks and celery stalks all day. Um, I'm sure uh, Clint will talk to you about green smoothies that Dr. Uh, uh, Goldner recommends. Uh, they're optional, but, but you know they are just a blender full of blended kale and baby bok choy, baby broccoli, and uh, they, it's just loaded with uh, antioxidants and phytonutrients that have a very powerful anti-inflammatory effect. And you just drizzle that along the gut wall all day in small six-ounce glasses. You don't chug the whole blender down. You just 
the small amounts consumed during the day just to just to bathe that gut wall and your joints with all the nice nutrients. But very importantly, we'll be I'll show you his diagram, but you're looking at this because you're part of the Madison program. And it's, it's as soon as I read it, I said, you know, this guy's on to something. Now, it's a really brilliant program, and, and it's very, very joint-friendly, and, uh, and Clint will give you all the, uh, uh, the steps involved in reintroducing food. You probably want to stay off gluten. You, you know, a few months later, you know, have a few slices of whole grain bread and see if, it, you know, if your joints complain about it. But for, uh, for the starting point, assume that gluten is not your friend. So uh, you don't want to be eating the breads and, uh, and anything, uh, pastas, et cetera, made with gluten. It's a pain in the butt. Uh, to go gluten-free, but it's worth it if you've got inflammation in your body. Uh, you want to emphasize those uh, anti-inflammatory foods, uh, uh, turmeric in your cooking. You may want to take some algae-derived DHA or EPA. Ginger, flax seeds, green tea, these all have anti-inflammatory effects. Get them into your cooking. And restore the gut wall integrity. There's a couple of supplements that quercetin, glutamine uh, are, can help tighten up the, the tight junction there that's gotten a little loose there. That's what these two are about. And probiotics to reestablish the lactobacilli uh, and the other beneficial microbes that, uh, that maintain a healthy gut wall. So this, this is the bare bones, if you will, of a, uh, of a gut healing autoimmune protocol. But again, it's really hard to beat uh, what Clint Patterson has come up with uh, on his uh, Patterson program. And I'm absolutely fine with everything he's recommending here. So a couple of days on water, cucumber, celery juice, uh, and then his baseline diet. And then you slowly start introducing the more complex foods every 72 hours. Yes, give it a full try. Uh, and I mean, go in, boots in, as I learned in New Zealand, uh, really, really commit yourself. And if you start to flare up, then you drop back uh, to the earlier states, these really simple joint-friendly foods. Uh, what about nightshades? Uh, uh, tomatoes, uh, potatoes, eggplant, bell peppers, uh, uh, they are all in the botanical family of Solanaceae. And uh, that means they put out this, this uh, alkaloid called solanum. Uh, when you peel a baked, when you peel a raw potato, sometimes as the skin comes off, you can see that the white meat under there has kind of a greenish sheen to it. That's solanum. Uh, and why are they of concern? For most people, especially those without autoimmune disease, it doesn't have all the potatoes and tomatoes you want. But if you do have an autoimmune disease, if you've got RA or lupus, it turns out about 10% of people, not everybody by a long shot, but about 10% of folks, when they eat some uh, vegetable from the nightshade family, uh, the next morning, they're pretty unhappy. Their joints are more inflamed. It's clearly caused inflammation. So it's safer at the beginning, just avoid nightshades. But it doesn't mean you can never, ever, ever have a tomato again in your life and never have a a uh, potato or a bell pepper. Uh, so wait six months, a year till everything is quiescent. Uh, and then I asked my patients, what do you miss the most? Oh, I would kill for baked potatoes. Okay, you know, cook up a couple of white potatoes uh, and, uh, and, and eat them with dinner. 
and then wait for 72 hours, see how your joints feel about them. They'll let you know. The joints are very expressive organs. Uh, they'll let you know if they, if they uh, were unhappy with the uh, with the nightshades there. So test them one at a time, like Clint has you do with so many of the other vegetables there. So it's important if you've got a, a flare up to put out the fire, and I have no problem using these disease modifying agents, uh, methotrexate, steroids, etc. Use as little as you can with the lowest dose that you can. But if you got to be on these for, for three months, six months, I'm fine with that. But use that time to clean up your diet and, and healthy up your gut wall. So when your rheumatologist is ready to, well, why don't we taper you off and see how you do? Um, by then, you've got a healed gut wall. You've got the anti-inflammatory molecules uh, in your joints, so the prostaglandins one and three and DHA and all of that good stuff. So hopefully as you taper off, you won't flare. So it's not a defeat to use these drugs. Work with your rheumatologist. God bless all the rheumatologists. But it's uh, but just getting on this is not the end of the story. Uh, well, you got to take methotrexate the rest of your life. No, you don't. And uh, go with your rheumatologist for you know six months, twelve months, eighteen months. But then when you're when things are quiet, say, hey, how about a, why don't we taper off here and see how I do? And it's a legitimate thing to ask if your rheumatologist absolutely doesn't want to hear about it. Then it's time to find a rheumatologist who will work with you on this. So, um, so lower doses should be able to be used and tapered off more quickly. So success depends on preventing a flare-up of these drugs are tapered off. So clean up your diet and hopefully you'll be able to get off of these. Now, a water-only fast, as I mentioned, can be very effective. I have a video on it on my website. Um, uh, there's no question that fasting has been shown to cool off an, an acute episode of inflamed uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, you got to be basically healthy, healthy kidneys, et cetera. Uh, you need a doc who's experienced in supervising fasting. Um, and and uh, if you're going to be doing a long fast, you need to be in a medically supervised uh, setting. But if you're basically healthy and not on medications, everybody can do a, a three-day fast at home. For 72 hours, you can just drink water, nothing bad is going to happen. Um, and a three-day fast, like twice a month, you know, every other weekend, just drink water or vegetable broth. Oh, that adds a, that's a lovely way to tell your joint, Shh, you know, we'll give you a break this weekend from food. Uh, and so uh, intermittent fasting, like three-day fast, four-day fast, once or twice a month can be a very powerful tool. And if you're suddenly getting worse, instead of cursing the god of rheumatology, why, why are you visiting this curse on me? Better ask yourself, what are you yesterday, in the last couple of days now? And that's usually where the answer is. So uh, you want to repair the gut integrity, pull out the bad things, stop drinking the alcohol, pull out the dairy and the wheat. Uh, here's the question, the glutamine, uh, 500 milligrams twice a day for a good three months. Um, I went on forever and ever, but, but three months uh, is a reasonable course. You can always repeat it. You do another three months, another three months, but start with three months, see how, uh, uh, how you do with that and get on a good probiotic with lots of lactobacillus and, uh, uh, and bifidobacteria in it. Um, 
So eliminate the triggers, uh, uh, lots of soluble fiber, uh, uh, lots of uh, the, the quercetin, the vitamin C, and the curcumin. Add these to your cooking. Yeah, uh, you have a, a navel orange every day. Uh, there'll be quercetin and apples or curcumin you add in your uh, cooking. Uh, and um, a lot of ground flat seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds. If you want to, you can take some supplemental uh, uh, DHA or EPA as well. Uh, if your multivitamin has some zinc in uh, it, some glutamine, all the better. Uh, probiotics, these are beneficial bacteria plus some factors to make them grow better. Uh, and here's the ones that we like the most, bifidobacteria, longum, lactobacillus salivarius, KCI, acidophilus. Uh, make sure you see these names on the label of the uh, uh, of your probiotic. Uh, well, I drink, I eat yogurt. Uh, no, you don't want to eat yogurt. Uh, uh, most of them, uh, most of the commercial yogurts have very few bacteria compared to what you really need. You need 50 billion, 100 billion, not 5 billion. Most of them are going to have sweeteners like high fructose corn syrup and cornstarch and gelatin. Uh, listen, if all you want is some probiotics, why are you eating all this fructose and dairy protein? Uh, get yourself a good non-dairy probiotic uh, and take it um, before breakfast and before bed. You want a probiotic, take some, but you don't have to eat a whole bunch of cow protein and sugar uh, just to get some beneficial microbes here. Uh, so uh, for healthy microbiome, again, eat that healthy food to support them. Uh, lots of legumes and, uh, and whole foods for the fiber. Avoid things that kill them off. And uh, fermented foods, uh, sauerkraut, kimchi, those are also beneficial as well. So the last slide, sorry it's so busy, but especially for the scientifically inclined here. Um, uh, here, the center red area are the bad diseases, the lupus, the RA, et cetera. As far as what's contributing to them, if we go around the clock here, the red tide of food with the, the meats and the oils, et cetera, the emulsifiers, endotoxin, raises intestinal permeability, allows the antigens to get into the immune system. They form antibodies and that releases free radicals. Um, the microbiome uh, causes its own mischief as the bacteria break up uh, and you wind up with inflammation. So out in the green area, the strategies stop the toxins uh, and uh, get on a whole food plant-based diet, plus or minus the water fast, and all the things I just mentioned, uh, um, uh, uh, Clint Patterson's uh, healthy uh, diet program, maybe Dr. Goldner's smoothies there. Uh, and uh, if you got an oral infection, clean it up. That can make things worse. Um, and um, uh, antibiotics don't have much of a role here. That's another story here. Occasionally, uh, antibiotics are used like aminocycline or hydroxychloroquine. Uh, if you're interested in that, there's a book called The Road Back by uh, uh, Dr. Brown that describes antibiotic use in these diseases. Uh, you might want to take some supplemental DHA, et cetera. And if you're on uh, the pharmaceuticals, talk to your rheumatologist about tapering off after you've done all the rest of this to clean up your diet and heal your gut wall. So that's the basic uh, protocol. Uh, I really urge you to pay attention to what Clint is telling you and follow this advice in detail. It is ironclad. It absolutely should work well for you. 
And remember, every bite matters. Your, your joints are never not looking. <laughs> they know everything you're eating. Your gut wall knows everything you're eating. But know that these autoimmune diseases can be healed. Uh, this is the rheumatologists don't buy into their pessimism. They're always going to have lupus. They're always going to have rheumatoid arthritis. No, uh, at least not active. It may be in the background percolating, and you can wake up that dragon if you if you get really sloppy with your food. But if you have a healthy diet and lifestyle, these diseases can be healed, and you can uh, have a ticket to a normal life again, and not spend the rest of your life as an RA patient. So that's uh, where we will uh, end it here. I'm certainly open to questions. Uh, a lot of information, but hopefully uh, some of it was of practical use for you. So with that, I will yield my uh, screen back to Clint and uh, be glad if any of your viewers have any questions or if you have any questions, be glad to talk to you about them. Well, first of all, just a comment on uh, just the comprehensiveness of that presentation, Dr. Clapper. I've been fortunate to um so you give variations of this topic presented at uh, in sydney together we had we're at an event and also in florida uh, and i've seen you speak at other uh, platforms um but uh, it, the um it, what struck me is just the 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 comprehensiveness of the science behind what we're talking about now um as a as a physician um are you how what's your degree of of satisfaction with the evidence that's there. Are you feeling now that we really have a wonderful understanding of what's going on? And is your confidence level at an all-time high with this? It's certainly at an all-time high. And the evidence keeps coming in clearly. I mean, there, there's no looking the other way with this evidence. Clearly, the diet and the gut connection and the joint connection are it's a pretty solid connection. There's still a lot more we don't know about these diseases because you and I are both very aware that there are patients who follow all these recommendations and still that fiery inflammation is percolating away in their joints. And, and you do have to get some of these folks on Humira and these, uh, these agents, you know, and none of us feel good about that, but it, it does. They're very powerful and they do work, but you don't want to have these people on these drugs all their lives forever and ever. But uh, but so we've got a lot more to, to know about it. But um, I think a rheumatologist is very remiss if one doesn't talk to their patients about diet in general. And if they say those faithful, oh, you can eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, keep eating all the meat and dairy you want. Mm. Um, knowing what we've just gone through mm. here, to, for mm. a rheumatologist to say that, he really mm. needs to listen to this lecture. Yeah, mm -hmm. and do do some reading there. So that's the that's the primordial sin my profession keeps committing on a daily basis there. So the food link leaky I think it's not all the picture, but I think it's 80 or 90 percent of it for sure. And it's square one. If you're going to be healing it, well, you mm -hmm. can do all these other things, but you gotta deal with the food and uh, mm -hmm. and 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 do it consciously like you do in the program if those joints start getting a little inflamed then back off you work with the food it's not a matter of of uh, eat what you want so um so yes it's uh, i'm feeling very mm -hmm. confident but i'm also very humbled by these diseases and uh, uh no 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 room for cockiness here uh, we've all had our ears pinned back and with some very challenging patients so uh, we've got more to learn but yes, I'm very confident the food is key.
Yes. And um, we could have done another presentation. You could have done another hour and it could have been called um, Other Non-Dietary Influences of the Microbiome, right? And then you would have went into details about things like steroids, which whether they're injectable or oral have a negative impact for leaky gut, Uh, things like stress, um, things that we know that exercise has a positive impact on the microbiome. And you could have done another hour on that. And so with all of those other influences impacting the microbiome, um, it, we, there's a lot of balls in the air trying to get this disease under control. I'm just learning to juggle, actually. It's funny you mentioned that. And uh, one of our inside COVID activities here. And right. Yes, in, indeed. There's a lot of balls to keep in the air with these conditions. That's true. Right. Well, just one one sort of detail related question before we wrap this up. Um, and this this would come up if people watch this and said, okay, I, I now I feel really confident that I'm going to eat more plants and I feel really confident that that meat that I enjoy is maybe not going to help me with my RA. Um, and maybe they would think, but what about you mentioned some ground flax seeds, but you told me low fat diet. So maybe just let's just wrap up with just a last commentary about uh, should we maybe start with low fat, which is what I recommend to folks, and then move to introducing, you know, some plant-based fats that are omega-3 friendly down the track? I mean, that's my approach. Uh, could you go down this path a little bit with your comments? Uh, yes. And again, you know, this is very fine pointed yeah. uh, advice we're giving here. Uh, the the omega-3 fats that are in flax seeds, chia seeds, et cetera, uh, turn into these anti-inflammatory prostaglandins, prostaglandin 1 and 3. So they're important in their anti-inflammatory effect. Uh, And the amount, I mean, in a a couple of tablespoons of ground flax seeds, how much fat is really in there? Three drops, four drops. it's It's a pretty minute amount. But there are some folks going to be very sensitive to it. Um, I personally feel that the the benefit, the anti-inflammatory benefit, uh, outweighs the any negative benefit that it, uh, it's a fat because there are good fats. We need fats are not evil. We need them. Our skin oils are made of fat. Our hormones are made of fat. You need a little fat every day. Uh, and if you're going to be getting it, then make it an, an omega three. Uh, family fat there, so I'm not as fatophobic, I guess, as you might be. Uh, but uh, but you're dealing with dozens and dozens of patients on a weekly basis here, and you may have seen things uh, where a little bit of flaxseed does make some of these folks flare in the early stages. And if that's the case, I'm humbled by that, and absolutely, the the fats those fats should be withheld for X number of weeks. And then slowly reintroduce. Yeah. I, I absolutely grant that may be a very valid strategy. Yes, and uh, and with the presentation that you uh, where you cited all of that high fat, we weren't really looking at studies associated with animal fat, weren't we? Like this yeah. is just yeah, to just animal. to clear that up. Yes, these are largely animal fats, yeah. junk yeah. vegetable oils, yeah. the stuff oil, the cottonseed oil, the stuff that it's in yeah. the French fire oils, that stuff. Uh, that, those are trouble with a capital T. Yes. Uh, but that little bit of a flag, brown flag suit, I don't know if it's a huge factor. That's right. And in fact, just to, just to really just emphasize this point, clear this up a little further, um, 
in our program that you showed us a couple of times in your slides, uh, we have nuts and seeds introduced later in the program. So there gets to a point where many people are able to introduce uh, nuts and seeds um, and doesn't even have to be the ground flax and the chia. It can be regular, more omega-6 heavy because you can get to a point where you are in a more of a stable condition. So it's later. It's not for immediate you know, when you're inflamed, but later. I so your experience, Professor. I agree. <laughs> um, now, you are one of the most popular doctors on the plant-based telemedicine platform. People contact you a lot to talk about their health conditions and get your uh, valued input. Um, is it plant-based uh, telemedicine.com? Plant-based telehealth. Dot com plantbasedtelehealth.com uh, if you want to do a consultation with me and we do international consultations all the time we love folks in Australia and other places uh, plantbasedtelehealth.com and uh, you can also follow me on my YouTube channel Dr. Clamper uh, my Instagram feed as well and my Facebook feed so you can find me all around the internet there but if you'd like to do a one-on-one -on -one consultation plantbasedtelehealth.com well, thank you, Dr. Clapper. I've learned again from you. It's always so wonderful to uh, listen and to learn from you. You're really just a just the most uh, incredible presenter and speaker, making us laugh and educating us at the same time. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to share with all your wonderful viewers. All the best. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.